Thank you for listening to the Lunch Pail Guys podcast. If you enjoy the show and want to support us, the best ways are to leave a five-star review and subscribe on your favorite platform and follow us on Twitter or Instagram at lunchpailguys underscore. Welcome to the Lunch Pail Guys podcast. This is the 156th week of the podcast. This is Jared podcasting alongside Lucas, Aiden, and Wyatt. First of all, a very happy Thanksgiving to you all listening. If you are listening to this on the day it releases, it will be Thanksgiving. Appreciate you uh, letting listening to us and maybe getting away from your family for a little bit. It is a good distraction, so a productive tr- distraction, hopefully, as well. We're going to start it off just with a little bit of news we missed. Uh, you, we probably did not think we'd be talking about baseball in the off season of all times, but Bryce Harper had Tommy John surgery and will be out for the first half of next season for Lucas's Philadelphia Phillies. So mm-hmm. tough, the, tough yeah. luck there. Phillies are a second half great. team, you know. It's just, right? <laughs> exactly. Well, it's perfect. Not the world part of the season though. without them this year. <laughs> They'll be okay the again series. next year. <laughs> <laughs> not when it matters. No, I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> In the NFL news, Justin Fields has a partially separated shoulder. He's considered day-to-day by the Bears, um, but he has been on a tear. The narrative on him has flipped quite a bit in the last two weeks, which I think is pretty crazy, but good for him. That that he's playing well, not good for him that it is an injury. Hopefully he gets better <laughs> soon. Um, and in some basketball news, Ben Simmons lost in his – uh, return to Philadelphia. He also, I'm told, missed two free throws and helped Philly fans or helped Philadelphia metro area residents win the, the Brickin' for Chicken promotion, which gives people in the Philly metro area free chicken nuggets. So, good for them. Did you get your chicken nuggets, yeah. Lucas, or no? I did not. I did not download the app in time to get the <laughs> offer because you have to do it by like noon the next day or something like Whoa. that. Whoa. So. <laughs> It is smart to have a promotion to to get people to download your app. Essentially, I feel like that is a smart exactly. idea. Exactly. Yeah, That's if you true. download the app, they'll like, <clears throat> and you live in the area, they'll hook you up with some chicken. Yeah. yeah, I've heard the Lunch Pill Guys app has a lot of good promotions <laughs> on it. So download yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> it's not real. Sorry. What is real though is Notre Dame is going to be facing off against USC in a pivotal game for the college football playoff implications uh, this week, as well as for a little bit of perception, a little bit of bragging rights, I think, for Notre Dame, I would say. Um, I'm starting us off here. I think my main takeaway for heading into this game is that USC is a good team that has not faced the level of competition that they are about to face. I don't want to discredit USC too much because I do want this to be a a point on the resume for Notre Dame. And it will be because beating USC while they're ranked number five will be a point on the resume that coaches can use in recruiting, that Freeman can use in recruiting. But the main thing here is their strength of schedule, USC's strength of schedule rank is 58th in the nation right now. For the record, Michigan and Ohio State, who play in the conference that USC is about to join, had the 74th and 54th strength of schedule. So they're in that same ballpark. Mm -hmm. This isn't a shot at the Pac-12. This is a, a shot of their scheduling because the Pac-12 does have a lot of great teams. For example, number nine, Oregon. Oh, wait. USC has not played them. Number 13, Washington. Oh, wait. 
USC has not played them either. Okay, what about what about number 14, Utah? USC lost to them. Yes, they did beat number 21, Oregon State, but that was a 17-14 to 14 win, which, by the way, is the fewest amount of points USC has scored this entire season. So let's give Oregon State and Utah some credit. Oregon State's quarterback, by the way, threw four interceptions in that game, and they lost by three points. That's crazy. Coincidentally, Oregon has the second-best passing defense in the Pac-12. Utah was first. That's the team that USC lost to. So they struggle against teams that are good at pass defense, we've seen, right? Notre Dame is 16th best in the nation when it comes to passing yards allowed. And and Joe Klatt had a nice comparison as well that the last time Caleb Williams, Caleb Williams faced a passing defense that was relatively as good as Notre Dame's, it was Iowa State last year. He threw for no touchdowns, less than 100 yards, and completed less than 50% of his passes. And we don't, we don't even need to go back to that game as a reference. We can look at USC and Utah, as I just said. But mm-hmm. I think we're well-positioned for this, well positioned for this game and for this kind of matchup, actually, because we don't have to win in a shootout. Like, Oregon State kind of proved you can hold this team to a low amount of points. Brandon Joseph is coming back from injury. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've, we've shown that against good offenses like Ohio State, We've hold, held our own as well. We held them to their fewest total this year at 21 points. Another matchup to look at is red zone defense versus offense. Um, a lot has been made about Notre Dame's red zone defense not being good this year. Rightfully so. We're seventh worst in the nation. But we've only allowed 27 red zone trips, which is actually pretty good. Like By comparison, Georgia has allowed 24. So we're in really good territory if we don't let them get into the red zone. And even if we do... USC is actually not particularly good at scoring in the red zone. They're 72nd in the nation on scoring in the red zone trips. So the, I can like kind of discard that, too, as not really that big of a worry. Finally, I think our offensive shortcomings are actually going to kind of benefit us that we have to run the ball. We're going to keep it away from Caleb Williams, keep it away from that offense. They're going to have less possessions and less opportunities to score. And even when a team knows we're running, see Clemson coming off of a bye week, they still can't stop it. So... I hope that at the end of this game, the narrative isn't, oh, they exposed USC as frauds. Because as I've said, they are a good team. They just haven't really played the level of competition they're about to face. The narrative should be that Notre Dame beat a good team that 10 other teams have failed to beat this season. And I think that'd be a really good way to cap off Notre Dame's season. Those are my takeaways. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. I think that this has been like a weird season for Notre Dame is like the best way I could put it. And it feels like kind of frustratingly like one of missed opportunities like if they can beat USC because it's I think you know in the world where Notre Dame beats Marshall in that game and Notre Dame beats Stanford like this is probably at least a borderline playoff team this year like I think Mm -hmm. if they beat USC Mm -hmm. they'll finish the season in the top 10 or so of the college football playoff rankings just because they have been able to put together so many good victories over the course of the year and like I don't know, it's frustrating to like have it have all sort of clicked into place at the end of the year. I think it's encouraging for next year. Like I think another narrative that'll come out of the USC game, if it ends up going well for Notre Dame, is that okay, Notre Dame is set up very well for the future. Like mm-hmm. Freeman sort of worked out the bugs of his first time head coaching, had those bad losses to Stanford and Marshall, but finished off with a nine and three season, beat Clemson, beat USC, and beat even a team like North Carolina, it's pretty good this year too. So I think the narrative, like I think Freeman is just like a hundred percent sort of vindicated that higher if he can win this game this year. Mm. In fact, Lucas, I would argue that 
missing the playoffs could actually help us and this late surge could actually help us that it was more important this year to beat Clemson for our perception than it would have been to, I think if we would have gotten a playoff game, we probably would have gotten blown out by one of those teams again, just because we're very limited on passing offense, as we've said this year, this year, yeah. plenty of times. Um, and I think beating Clemson and being beating USC will do more for our perception and long-term health of the program than sneaking into the playoffs as the number four seed, for example, and probably facing Georgia and getting destroyed, I think. This team still needs to tool up a little bit to, to make that jump. In one in like one position group, I think. You know, personally. I don't want to throw too much shade, but I think that, that no, definitely is our worst position group. And I think if we shored that up, if we had if we had Caleb Williams on this team, for example, we're we're hundred percent a playoff team. One of the best in the nation, you know, in fact. Yeah. Do you have any quarterbacks you've been scouting out as a potential way to fill that gap i i should be i should be scouting i'll, I'll watch some film i'll watch calls. some highlights yeah, and, exactly yeah, yeah i'll make some calls and get get people in the transfer official recruiter yeah 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 we're we're flip we're trying to flip a, a four-star quarterback from pitt he decommitted from pitt i can't remember his name right now and he mm-hmm. visited notre dame on the bc weekend mm-hmm. so good weekend to visit yeah yeah yeah, I do think there will always be a what if factor to this year, especially if they do beat USC. I agree, Jared, that I don't like I don't think it's a necessity that they make the playoff this year. It might even be for the best, but it feels like there's less really dominant teams this year than usual. Or at least Notre Dame Absolutely. week one, when we clearly hadn't put it together, it was clear for the next couple of games that we had not put it together yet. Kept up with Ohio State, right? Like I have no doubt we can at least keep up with people behind Georgia. I'm, I'm, at this point, I'm pretty confident of that. And even Georgia has been weird at times. You know, the, yeah. the Missouri game, Kentucky last week, you know, a team that lost to Vanderbilt. Um, they, you know, <laughs> didn't blow out or anything. So it's, it's kind of a weird year. And it felt like that could have been an opening for ND slightly. Uh, but, but yeah, it's, you're probably right, Jared, that it's, you know, <laughs> this is the beginning of, an, beginning of an era, you know, hopefully. Ideally. It's, it's been a weird year, too, in that... Um... I agree that there doesn't seem to be a dominant team or as dominant of a team as we've had in the previous years, but still there's four undefeated teams mm-hmm. heading into the last week, which I feel mm-hmm. like we haven't had in a maybe ever in the mm-hmm. playoff era going into the last regular season game. So I didn't, I didn't check that, but I think that's pretty, it's, it's definitely been a weird year in that, in that yeah. regard. I'm excited for the playoff committee to find a way to, Keep TCU out, even if they go undefeated and put in two <laughs> loss <at> LSU. <laughs> Do we think I, that? Like, I genuinely yeah. think, yeah. like, let's just say Michigan wins the game, which for Wyatt's sake we hope doesn't happen. Mm. Um, <laughs> I hope And that. then LSU wins the, the SEC championship over Georgia. I could very easily see them having a Georgia LSU Ohio State Michigan play. No, they wouldn't. They would never. I, they no, wouldn't I do TCU. that. I don't think. I don't think if TCU also won, yeah. If TCU also won, they would be in. An undefeated Big Twelve, like Power Five champion, I feel like is is always going to make it, unless, unless yeah. All we've five we've were said we've said this <laughs> before. Somebody said this before. The committee still believes that they are they do have credibility, and if they did something like that, they would be admitting they don't have any credibility. Mm-hmm. So they've got to toe yeah, the line. That's fair. It would. You know? Yeah. <laughs> It would have been like excluding Cincinnati last year. I, 
Like that, I think that is also sort of stealing credibility. Have they not allowed Cincinnati in? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do we think that if USC beats Notre Dame, that they jump LSU? Because I'm kind of surprised already that they're not five. And I think that if they beat ND, they should jump LSU. I think they should too. Because yeah, currently USC six and LSU's five. You don't think the the I win over the... Alabama is carrying a ton of weight right now for LSU? It's carrying oh, it too much weight. Is. It certainly it's is. It's carrying too much weight, yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, LSU I did get blown out nice. by Tennessee, who has fallen off a little bit. And they did lose to Florida State, who's a meh team. So just it yeah. feels like, 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 like yeah, the Bama win was huge. They've been great of late, but I don't know. Yeah, well, and Bama, Bama is not the same Bama team. This is another thing that Joel Klatt's been pounding the table about. Is Joel, this is, like, Bama is ranked eighth. Yes, they are good, but they're up there for on-brand name right now. And that win is carrying any team that has beaten them. That win is carrying them a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I was looking at ESPN's playoff predictor the other day, and I saw Bama still as an option for making the playoff, and I was like, oh, if <laughs> hell freezes over and that happened, like, I'd swear <laughs> to God. Anyway. <laughs> Genuinely, I boycott That'd college football if that happens. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Well, there could be some interesting scenarios if, like, Michigan, let's say Michigan won the game, but then they lost mm-hmm. the Big Ten championship. Yeah. And why then why there'd do we be keep predicting Michigan to win? What are we doing? <laughs> what, let's say Ohio State won. <laughs> <laughs> and they lose in the Big Ten championship. You want that to happen? Yeah. To, yeah. Okay. I'd rather <laughs> to that, Purdue. Than that than that <laughs> Big bad Purdue. <laughs> Anybody else have a problem with Notre Dame's ranking right now? They're ranked uh, 15, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, 15. It's the best you can get. Yeah, I have a small problem. We should be ahead of Utah, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with that. It it annoys me that the committee punishes bad losses more than it rewards great wins, unless you're an SEC team, of course. Uh, Utah's beat USC and nobody else. We beat Clemson and USC, as well as like former ranked teams, Syracuse. Sure, you can discredit that, but Utah has basically <laughs> have they've not proven that they can beat other good teams consistently. Like they've they've lost to all the other ranked teams they played this year. The only thing they've done better than us is beating bad teams, which I feel like shouldn't put you ahead in the rankings. Yeah. That's my two cents, yeah. and it may only be worth two cents. But <laughs> they have played all the good teams they played close though. It's not like they've been blown out in any. But they didn't win. We we no, played the teams we, we lost. Play, to, we, we played, played close, close too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah. all I'm saying is that like I'm not even sure Clemson's like a great like I know inherently I don't think like is. name brand recognition. I don't think Clemson's I, like that great of a win this year. They had year. no business yeah. being in the top in the top four at the time that they were anyway. <laughs> I didn't think yeah. that they. I mean Clemson has a, a an awful offense this year. And I think it's yeah. you know it's similar okay, to but, Giants beating Green Bay Packers where at first it's like wow this is. This is a big deal, but then you kind of look at the rest of the body of work and say maybe, maybe you know it was always up in the air and it would have been. It's not. It's just not like that big of a deal to beat Clemson. Given the season you've had so far, yes. Given the scope of where Clemson's at and where we expected Notre Dame to be, mm-hmm. no. I disagree. I think the other ten other teams that they played failed to beat them. We're the only team that's beaten them. That should count for something. The narrative is always. If you beat a team that was previously undefeated or one loss, it's oh they expose them as frauds. I don't think that should be the narrative. We beat we beat a team that everybody else that they've played has not been able to do. Again, I'm pretty sure the ACC is just full of frauds. 
every last one of yeah. them. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. But yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. I agree that Clemson is, a, you know, I, I think they still deserve to be top 10. They still only have one loss. I, I think they deserve to be, you know, kind of around where they were when Notre Dame played them. But... Yeah, I don't. Think I mean, they're, they're a team that's also being held back by the tenth, you know, the seventh best team in the nation right now, wherever they are, eighth best team in the nation. Yeah. I don't mm-hmm. think that's true. top four should be resume. Everything else should be just like how good of a team they are. I'll stand. Yeah, I, yeah, it's it's not. It should. It is not a standings of the <laughs> wow. best of the best records one to twenty five in college football. Even yeah. even one to twenty five, it is an eye test and who you believe the best teams are in, in a particular order. So if, if people if they look at it and they say I don't think Notre Dame is one of the fourteen best teams in the league, I'm not gonna. I, that's fine. I understand that we're mad about tough losses and great wins and all that, but you know there's t- there are wins that look gritty and tough and like you really had to grind it out and that was a team that showed a lot of heart and there are wins that maybe you just don't deserve because they're ugly games against bad teams. Like there, <laughs> not everything is a great win and sometimes bad losses are an eye opener in the sense that you failed my eye test. And you look bad. Yeah, but I would say that's not indicative uh, and not an accurate representation of our team. You don't think so? No, it's not. (laughs) Well, also, speaking of Syracuse, I didn't realize this. I just looked it up. They have lost. They started six and zero. They are st- since zero and five. They haven't won a game what? since they lost to Clemson on October fifteenth or on October twenty second. Yikes! It's not great. <laughs> Tough. Alrighty. <laughs> well, as I said at the start of the episode, it is Thanksgiving on the day that this episode will be released. Mm-hmm. Thanksgiving Eve, as we're recording. Pundits love comparing sports players' qualities to Thanksgiving dishes. We're gonna do that here. We got Notre Dame players. And we're going to say which dishes, qualities, I, I guess, they most resemble. Um, let's start with our quarterback, our fearless leader, Drew Pine. Lucas, what what is uh, Drew Pine's Thanksgiving food equivalent? Uh, Drew Pine is mashed potatoes. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if there'll be other mashed potatoes in here a lot. There, there can be, you know, there different are. mashed <laughs> types of potatoes. They're all mashed potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> every every Notre Dame player is just mashed potatoes for a different reason. Yeah. Um, but uh, though nobody, I was gonna say though nobody's ever had to scream at mashed potatoes to do their effing job, uh, they do get the job done and are effective every single time. And I think that's kind of what Drew Pine has done this season. Drew Pine didn't start the season off great, but since the beginning, he's sort of, or I guess since the beginning of him taking over for Buckner, um, he's gotten the job done. Most of the time it's been asked is him. Just like mashed potatoes, which are pretty simple. Just some potatoes, just some, you know, butter, some garlic, some seasoning, all that. Drew Pine isn't also super complex as a quarterback. You don't ask him to do a lot. But with the excellent run game, he doesn't have to do a lot. Just like mashed potatoes don't have to do a lot because there are so many other excellent dishes on the table. So they're both simple. They're both effective enough. Neither of them are the star of the show, but they get the job done. And that's why Drew Pine is mashed potatoes. Okay, Aiden, based off of that, who do you think is a, a, a mashed potatoes player in the NFL? Mm. I'm going to go like Ryan Tannehill, but like not this year Ryan Tannehill, like Ryan Tannehill when he had a good running game or when like Derrick Henry was kind of like really, really at his peak. You know, he's yeah. he's he's boring, you know. he's I, I haven't seen a lot of, I don't know, yelling at Ryan Tannehill. He seems like he knew how to do his job from the outset, so at least he's got that going for him. 
Um, but he is the same kind of like he's he's good enough generally, but he should not be the focal point of the meal. You know, I, I do not want Ryan Tannehill <laughs> being the, the focal point of my Thanksgiving meal. I'm, I'm going to be honest. Yeah. That's fair enough. <laughs> um, what about Michael Mayer, Aiden? What What oh is God. his Thanksgiving? <gasps> Mashed potatoes? You guessed it, mashed potatoes. <laughs> but but this is this is different, okay? This is not Drew Pine is instant mashed potatoes, okay? He's like the packet you throw in the microwave. This is we're talking like, you know, blend of multiple types of potatoes, Yukon, russet, you know, we're throwing in some a touch of garlic. You know, they're they're not over boiled or over mixed. These are good mashed potatoes, okay? Let's be clear. Um, and it's, you know, it's a classic part of a Thanksgiving meal and a good tight end is a classic part of a Notre Dame offense. Um, but yeah. like, like Lucas was kind of saying with, with his mashed potatoes description, it can't carry the meal on its own. You know, Michael Mayer can do, be fantastic at his job. He's going to do his effing <laughs> job for sure. Uh, <laughs> but he's going to need other guys, specifically his QB, uh, to, to kind of help him out sometimes. So he's, he's going to need a good gravy, a good turkey. Uh, kind of kind of around okay uh <laughs> lucas back to you who's an nfl mashed potatoes guy uh i think based on that description it's got to be travis kelsey again a, t- a, cor- oh. a tight end who's part of a good offense is really excellent on his own but he can't do it by himself he wasn't the you know elite maybe one of the greatest tight ends ever before pat mahomes came in um where his numbers really really started to take off in the years when Mahomes started being the quarterback. But he, again, does his job excellently. Tight end, part of a great offense. Travis Kelsey, great part of the Kansas City Chiefs offense. Dude, Travis Kelsey's Travis Kelsey might be like Ham, dude. He's he's up there. He's so unguardable. <laughs> Do you think Ham's, like, is that better in your rankings? Or? Oh, yeah. Ham's yeah, number one. I think, I, yeah, Ham's, Ham's like Ham's an entree. Number one? One? What? Yeah. It's like an entree. Ham is like a bottom tier. Like, Ham is the... Well, if somebody, happens, know, to Jones, if somebody uh, happens to pick like, turkey, I will tell you my thoughts on turkey. Otherwise, we can save it till <laughs> the very end of this. Okay. But, okay well, why, okay. why why don't you tell us about Isaiah Foskey? What's his, what's his food comparison? Imagine you took a bunch of... Potatoes and you boiled them and you, <laughs> you cubed them and you squished them all up. Foskey's mashed potatoes. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm kidding. No joke though. No joke though. I did write down mashed potatoes just in the case nobody picked them. But with the back-to-back mashed potato selection, I have a backup plan. Foskey is a Texas roll, right? Nobody can say no to a Texas roll. Everyone, there's always room on the plate for Texas roll. Whether you know you got enough stuff. You take the roll and you just put it right on top. You butter it. It's perfect. Everybody is happy that the rolls are there. Everybody wants a roll. Um, you know, it's just just the right, right amount of stuff. Foskey is right now. He has all of the tools to be an elite pass rusher, both in the college and in the NFL. His size, his speed, his bag of tools, everything that he has. Who would say no to that if you were a guy drafting? I understand that Will Anderson is taking the top spot, but who else is going to say no? The only con is that you can't make a sandwich out of a Texas roll. And right now, Foskey is a little bit stiff when it comes to his, uh, you know, bend and versatility in the run game and all that. So everyone at a Thanksgiving dinner is going to eat a Texas roll. The next morning, you might think twice about grabbing it. But as of right now, who's going to say no to him about that? Mm. Mm. Dang, that's pretty good. What's your comp? Who is my comp? Somebody that you're not going to say. 
No to. CD Lamb. So it's somebody. It, I feel like mm. CD Lamb back in when he was drafted. It's a good answer, actually. The, the Cowboys. The Cowboys didn't need a wide receiver. But at that time, they were like, who's going to say no to CD Lamb? That's at their spot where they were drafted like 16th or something. Mm-hmm. Who's going to say no to that? It's worked out well. Inevitably, when Jerry Jones gives him a bad contract, it's going to be like, should we have done that? No. But I think that's kind of like a similar vibe to what you're going to. What do you think, Wyatt? No, I think that's, I think that's a good pick. Mm-hmm. I think that's cool. a good pick. It's a luxury pick, but it's a good yeah, pick. It's, it's a luxury Texas role. <laughs> And they're in Texas. Um, As most are. <laughs> yeah, he's in Texas. Um, I have Benjamin Morrison. The food here is gravy because you can use it to cover anything. And he's been covering everything and anything that comes onto the field recently uh, and covering them like a pro. Five, five interceptions, right, in his last two games? Is that right? I think he had three picks last game, no? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Or not last two games five interceptions over his last three yeah, games sorry yeah in the clemson, yeah, clemson game last two home games how about that absolutely insane though um hopefully the gravy train keeps on going for benjamin morrison i feel like this could be potentially an easy comp based on the name based on the position he plays aiden yeah <laughs> you're then, walking aiden, into you don't exactly. pick, I'm gonna <laughs> walk into texas and you know <laughs> Too easy. Thank you, Jared, for serving this up on the platter. It's Sauce Gardner. We, we all know this is obvious. He's he's all over, guys. His his thing is no one no one scores on him. Apparently, PFF charged him with a touchdown or, or you know, said that he was responsible <laughs> for a touchdown um, early in November. And he tweeted at them because he, he thought it wasn't wasn't on him. Um, so we'll we'll see. <laughs> At least in Sauce Gardner's <laughs> mind, he still isn't allowed a touchdown since what, like high school or something. High school? Oh yeah. <laughs> Maybe middle school. Shoot, like middle school flag football. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that day, he was like, "This is the last one I'm ever gonna allow," and that's you know that's been the story since. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, he's Sauce lives up to his name for sure. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I think we talked about this last time. He's like one of my favorite players right now, actually. He's so fun to watch. <laughs> oh, I love him. Yeah, he's, he's fun to watch. <laughs> After he wore that cheese head, I think, that's when that's when it got me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, Brandon Joseph here. I'm going to say, I was going to say mashed potato. <laughs> I had mashed potato. <laughs> I'm not going to say that. Please give me another mashed potato. I'm going to say mac and cheese. Let's say that. Mm-hmm. Like a good safety, mac and cheese is a staple of Thanksgiving dishes. But since they aren't really unique to Thanksgiving, as a lot of these other dishes are, kind of goes under the radar. And Brandon Joseph has had a good season, but under the radar season. Like, for example, in our shutout against BC, he, w- he wasn't even playing because he was injured. I didn't realize that, actually, until after the game. Mm-hmm. 27 total tackles. One interception referred to a touchdown, so there's, like, little creamy cheese on top. But overall, it doesn't, like, make as many flash plays as Kyle Hamilton did early on to put him in the ham tier. You know, so, but he's he's still a former All American. Mac and cheese is an All American food. Um, I think it works out well there. What do you think, Lucas, uh, for an NFL comp? If we're going, you know, the underappreciated type energy, I'm going to go with Dallas Goddard, the tight end for the Philadelphia Eagles. Okay. I think that throughout most of the season, he has proven himself to be one of the best tight ends in the NFL. He's really, you know, sort of instrumental to what the Eagles do, and yet he doesn't really get the flowers that. Other notable tight ends, including the one that I've mentioned before, Travis Kelsey, seem to get. And since he's left, the Eagles' offense is like really sputtered because it takes a whole dimension out of what they can do. You take mac and cheese out of Thanksgiving, 
it's a worse meal, even if on the, you know, on the front of it, you say, you know, losing mac and cheese, not that big a deal. It ends up being mm-hmm. so. So I'll go Dallas Goddard then. I like that. Nice. What about Notre Dame's uh, head coach, Marcus Freeman? Aiden? Okay, Marcus Freeman's the main event. He's the turkey. Um, no, not the ham. You know, the, the thing that sticks out to me about Marcus Freeman, right, is that his teams always get better. Uh, last year, defense struggled out of the gate. That was pretty pretty fantastic by the end of the season. This year, the team has clearly taken a bit of a leap over the past month. Um, so I think Marcus Freeman, for me, is the relative who, like, last year was entrusted with cooking the turkey. You know, and, and last year, to, to put it into perspective, you know, the context here, um, the uncle that had consistently made a great turkey for years had a big falling out with the family. You know, um, he, he left to go, you know, to his, his new family down south. Uh, f- family. or <laughs> um, I, I Family. I don't think I can nail the Brian Kelly um, uh, southern impression. Uh, but anyway, there was a void to fill. Marcus Freeman was up next, and he, he kind of screwed it up. He overcooked it. It was a bit dry. <laughs> um, and everyone's initially hesitant to, you know, let him try again the next year. You could see that fire in his eye. You knew that he wasn't going <laughs> to F up a second turkey. And you don't want to go out and find another chef, let's be honest. You know, it's, um, they're not a dime a dozen. Uh, and his mm-hmm. second go at the turkey was good. It was, it was really good. And, you know, we know next year, we're hoping next year it's even better. Yeah. Fire in his eyes and fire in the oven. Um, why? Exactly. Who's the NFL comp? This is tough because I hate turkey. Turkey is, <laughs> without a doubt, the worst Thanksgiving dish anybody can put out that's there. That's just false. Uh, that's just it doesn't matter. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you could have people. And look, I love my mom. My mom always made the turkey. My, but no matter how you cook a turkey, it is always bland and it is always dry. And my mom is a fantastic cook, so I know it's not her cooking. But there's no way I've ever had a turkey where I go, this is great. The only reason that we ever got turkey is so my dad can make turkey sandwiches the next day. Not, not, <laughs> not for Thanksgiving dinner. We always opted for the ham. Ham is number one on the, on the tier list of Thanksgiving dishes. One of the top, you know. As far as main events go, it, it's main number events. one. So here's, so here's a thing I latched on to. You don't want to go find another chef. I'm going to go with Mike McCarthy right now. You don't... <laughs> Jerry Jones didn't want to have to do a long interview process of finding a guy. He he had just found a cook who can cook a turkey. And you know what? Maybe sometimes it's bland. Maybe sometimes it's really good. But Mike McCarthy is the turkey. It it varies. It's It seems like it's relatively consistent where it's like, you know, eventually you're going to get sick of eating it. But, you know, turkey's turkey and it's going to be there. And you're going to make a sandwich the next day. So... You know, at the very least, you know, Jerry Jones didn't want to have to dig too deep when it came to being creative about his meal. He just picked a turkey, picked Mike McCarthy. (laughs) I like that, actually. That's a good one. Uh, What about our special, our vaunted special teams unit this year, Lucas? I'm going to go with apple pie. And I think this might be a biased opinion because I know for some unknown reason, some people don't love apple pie, which I think is just... Horrible and wrong. Apple pie is the best pie. It's maybe the best dish at all of Thanksgiving. And Notre Dame special teams is maybe the best part of the entire team. But here's the thing. There's more... Specifically, their punt blocking is what we're talking about. But they're they're each only broken out in specific scenarios. Apple pie, it's not part of the main meal. It's a dessert. Special teams, you don't do it all the time. Very niche, specific parts of the game. They're both luxuries to have. A great special teams and a great apple pie. Not necessary to a great meal or team, but... 
they help a lot if you have them there. So for that reason, I'm going Notre Dame special teams being the apple pie of the team. That's great. I love that one. Um, Wyatt, what do you? What's the NFL comp? Who's the mm, apple pie of the NFL? Who is the apple pie of the NFL? It's a dessert item, like you said. It's a luxury pick, but it's part of the three phases. There's there's the main event, and there's always you know breakfast, lunch, dinner. There's always dessert. People have that, but during Thanksgiving, it's one of the phases. It, it's 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 important. What is the luxury item that people want? Got it. You know what? It's probably a first round running back. And I'm going to go with Najee Harris. You know what? Even if he's having an awful year, he is a luxury <laughs> pick. <laughs> he was a luxury pick for the Steelers uh, a year ago. And I couldn't think of another first-round running back that had gotten taken. Clyde edwards Lair, maybe? Yeah, but Travis. Mm-hmm. That's, let's go with Travis Etienne. You know what? The Jaguars mm-hmm. do not need Travis Etienne be, to be great. But they're they're definitely gonna eat that pie. He is actually having a fantastic year so far this year. Um, he's been a breakout player ever since they moved James Robinson away. You know, you and, and you get another James Rob, another running back pie. He might be pumpkin pie, and and Travis Etienne is is apple pie. Mm. And you got to take one slice. You can't go for both pies and a piece of ice cream. You just got to take you just got to take <laughs> one pie, and you got to move it forward. So Travis Etienne is the apple pie of the NFL. Okay, nice. Good save. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> um, O-line, last last but not least, certainly not least, O-line this year, Wyatt. Jared, we almost made it all the way through without somebody mentioning mac and cheese, but you did. Yeah. So I was going to pick mac and cheese here. And this is not just your any old mac and cheese. This is a family recipe that has been passed through generation to generation. Notre Dame always has a good offensive line. It is like the cornerstone of their, I guess, college franchise, if you want to call it that. There's always a good offensive line in Notre Dame. They always have a couple guys. They're, they're O-line U, right? That's basically that. That's their calling card. And I've never gone to a Thanksgiving without mac and cheese on the side. If ham is one, mac and cheese is two. So I think that they are a family generation mac and cheese. Right now they have a fifth-year guard, a senior center, and a sixth-year guard. Right, that is generations basically of offensive line play. Right, that right then and there in your face. A ninth so, year, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's like someone playing with their kids. You know, it's it's a father done, a uh, father son uh, duo on the offensive line out there. But no, it's they're they're fantastic. Uh, you got to have a scoop of mac and cheese. You, you everyone wants a scoop of mac and cheese, and they do it right every year. Dang, that's a good one. <laughs> Um, I could go with maybe something like the Vikings front office. I know always people love their drafts. Generally, like every year they seem to do very well. And when I compile the average draft grades, they always are like an A or A minus. Eagles. Yeah, you could say the Eagles, the Ravens also are always up there. They have the second best rushing offense right now too. The Eagles are like sixth best. Maybe those are good picks too, but. I think, like, in terms of thinking about generations and, like, doing something well consistently, it goes back to, like, how well do you draft historically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You could even say the Packers. I know some people have trouble with the, like, the, the Packers, but their average draft grade is also usually very high. So, mm-hmm. from the pundits. But, yeah, okay, cool. That was fun. 
All of the all of the NFL picks for you listeners, by the way, were like off the cuff. We did not know beforehand. I'm sure they could doing. figure out the long pauses <laughs> <laughs> in the banter, Hopefully. like and the know. logic that. <laughs> Yeah, none of this will make it. <laughs> what long pauses? Hey, if you think we're the ham, if you think we're the mac and cheese, and heck, if you even think we're the turkey of podcasts, please go ahead and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform, as well as follow us on all of our socials at lunchpailguys underscore. We look forward to uh, later the later in this week's episode where we can do the blue collar team of the week and we part carve a path for teams to the NFC and AFC East. Very fun stuff. Go ahead and listen. Have a good Thanksgiving. We appreciate it.